You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm actually, I'm happy that I'm able to go back to my gym now, right? I'm, I'm able to go back there. And I've been going back there, trying to do a little earlier, but... Somehow or another, I found that when I go back and I, I like I start heavy workouts in the middle of the afternoon. So if I go at like noon or something, if I can work in time to go at like noon or, or you know, one or two o'clock, by the time we sit down to do this, I'm like falling asleep. So I, I'm forced <laughs> to actually go later. So yeah, I'm doing fine, but now it's just going to take a while. I've been out of the gym for what is it like two months now, three months almost. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's just going to take time like to get back into like a schedule. And now that we're doing these two a days, it's just I mean, what people don't understand is and it's <laughs> it's really it's physically exhausting to sit here and do this, isn't it? So like it really is. By the time we finish, it's like, uh, OK, uh, c- can I just like take a nap? It's literally it's physically and it's mentally draining to sit here and do this. I never thought that getting into like broadcasting would be anything like that. I I never thought it would be like that. But I've always heard people that have done it for 20 or 30 years. They talk about it like that. They say, well, if you don't feel like after an hour show, if you you don't feel like you've just done 10 rounds in a boxing match, then you didn't perform at the level you needed to perform at. Now I understand it. And I have an amazing amount of respect for guys like Limbaugh that sit there and do that for three hours a day. I don't know how the guy does it. Three hours a day. I, I do this for like, what do we do? I, you know what? I take that back because between all the times we sit down and we line stuff up and we're, of course, you know, these, those guys have like multi-million dollar operations. We're just us. But by the time we go through and we do all this stuff, we're well over three hours worth of work into this for one episode. What yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah, we are. So, I, I mean, for the two episodes we're doing, yeah, it's definitely over over that time because we, we yeah. have the time that we discuss things and, and prep for the shows and then, right, you know, so. Okay. Where shall we start today? Where, where would you like to start? Obviously, we're going to talk riots. We're going to talk Antifa. We're going to talk, what was the other one? Uh, monument removal. Statue, we're going to talk yeah. that. Do you want to start there? Do, do you want to start there? Actually, uh, let's start on, um, it's kind of on a monument thing. You've seen that okay. uh, the Washington Monument was struck by lightning, yeah? I heard about that. What exactly happened? Yeah. I know the tip of it is, is it aluminum? Is that what it is? I, I don't know what the tip's made out of. I know I, they probably have some aluminum. form of a lightning rod or something there. Yeah, I, I think it's but, aluminum because it's not like it's not something that can go up and be clean. And obviously aluminum doesn't rust or anything like that. So uh, right, I, right. I think that that's what it is. But that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't know that it actually I heard that it got struck by lightning and I saw the photo like the, the shot of it. And it was it was quite interesting. But uh, what do you think that means? In your opinion, what oh. do you think that means? Nothing. I mean, honestly, it was oh, a come on. Storm. Give me some, give me some theological nah. stuff. There's got to be some kind of bigger meaning behind it. Get that. Like, give me something like, oh, it's a sign from God that Trump's going to win in November. <laughs> give me something. All right. All right. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you something. All right. So basically what it is, is the EM field rose and electricity tries to take the shortest route to the ground. Right. And that was the shortest uh-huh. route. 
Okay, so, fair enough. I'll give go. you that one. That, All right, that, that sounds good. I, I, that sounds yeah. good. Thanks for that, Bruce. Appreciate that. Thank, thanks for yeah, that vote yeah. of confidence from, uh, you know, I'm looking for yeah. some kind of sign here, right? That's apparently that's not it. I, yeah, you're right. Honestly, I, I don't I don't subscribe to those kind of ideas. I mean, when you watch it, either. if that's if, if you subscribe to those ideas, then what do you how do you explain the three other lightning bolts that struck in the area as well? And then it's there was one that struck the the um, monument, and it's very clear. I don't, I don't know if you've seen lightning strike specific areas that were, for example, uh, during storms. Scientists will shoot a rocket up that has like a wire tether to it, or it it, it leaves a trail of conductive material behind it in hopes to do exactly this to trigger lightning strike striking a specific area so they can gauge the amount of energy there and so on and so forth right when you Mm -hmm. watch them do this kind of a thing and there's this long trail of conductive air right there you see exactly what the what happened to the monument when the lightning struck the monument it was a good solid uh looks like a good solid two seconds when the lightning struck it like you could see it hit and then you can see it pulse multiple times and then do like another strike in the same spot. Well, this is exactly what it looks like when the scientists are doing their tests. So I don't know, maybe we'll see Frankenstein come out of uh, the Washington Monument here here in the next couple of days. I don't know. So we're going to see Nancy Pelosi come walking out of the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to. I had to. I apologize. Okay. So uh, eating chocolate ice cream, I might add. So, all right, let's talk. You mentioned briefly this morning the the monument down there in Texas. So elaborate a little bit more on that. What's going on down there? So there was a book that is fixing to release. Hasn't even released yet. Is about to be released. And in preparation to the book being released, they're removing the statue at the Love Field Airport, I believe, in Dallas. And so basically, they're preemptively removing the statue. And I, I don't know the full story about how this is racist or, or anything, but I, I don't really. Um, obviously, it probably has something to do with using them against African-Americans or something. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, not to be outdone, the Robert E. Lee statue in Virginia, this has been in the news the last couple of days. So Governor Ralph Northam, right, he's declared that his administration's, uh, his administration's intent to dismantle and store away, yeah, right, uh, one of the most well-known Confederacy commemorations in the United States. And he cited that the prominent monument avenue in Virginia's capital of Richmond, the six-story high statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee, was erected in 1890 as part of a statewide campaign to glorify the... I, I love how... Yahoo just puts this in or puts or puts this in there. It says uh, as part of the statewide campaign to glorify the oppression and hatred of the movement that lost the Civil War. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm sure that's totally what it was, yeah, and it wasn't sure. anything about making a memorial to remember history. Right. But, you know. Right. And and on top of that, I mean, you know, he was even a side issue. General Robert E. Lee was even he was even uh, how do I say it. Uh, I guess admired by by the North. He was respected for the way that that he uh, he commanded his troops. Same thing with the British. The British even uh, acknowledged that he was uh, he, he was a gen- you know a good general. The idea is that they're erasing our history. Okay, one statue at a time. Do you remember they tried to do this about a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago, and it met some real bad hostility? Do you remember that they tried to do it with the Christopher Columbus statue? You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And they showed up and they, they were demanding that the statue be removed. And they said, well, uh, what, because it, I guess it was racism or something. And they said, well, you know, do you even know who this is? Well, it doesn't matter. He's a racist. Well, uh, hello. 
Like you're, you're out there advocating for a statue to be removed and you don't even know who it is. Like you don't even know what it's for. You, you don't even know what it's representing. It, it, you just espouse that it's whatever you say it is. So it has to be taken down. It's disgusting. But anyway, Northam comes out, right? This is a quote from him. He says that it's time to acknowledge the reality of institutional racism, even if you can't see it. In Virginia, well, yeah, because he's going to tell you what it is, right? You can't see it because it's what they say it is. That's why it, That's why they say that. In Virginia, we no longer preach a false version of history. Of course not, because you're removing it. So you're going to teach your version of history, what you want people to see rather than what it actually is. History is written by the victors, but history is also absolute. You can't deny historical fact in certain cases. Well, actually, in most cases, depending on which, depending on what you're reading. But the thing is, is, is also it's very important to understand that history is also tailored to the historian that writes it. So a good historian, a mark of a good historian is when they make a point on something, they actually list dates and years specifically to what they are presenting to you so that you can go and verify that information for yourself. Meaning the person that presents that has done their research into what they're presenting to you. And so therefore they're giving you reference. They're giving you reference points for you to go and look it up yourself and where you need to look precisely in order to verify what they're telling you. That's a mark of a good historian. But see, old Mr. Northam down there, he's not doing any of that, is he? He's not a historian. He's a politician. But anyway, he says this history, this false version of history is one that pretends the Civil War was about states' rights and not about the evils of slavery. Okay, the Civil War didn't become about slavery until later. It wasn't about that in the beginning. It was about states, right? This is uh, how, how they're doing this. It, just the way that they're twisting this is, is all wrong because they know that through the education system that they've wrecked, they know that people are ignorant of our own history. The Civil War was not about slavery at first. It later became about that because the war was unpopular. So they had to get people on board with it. No one in the U.S. wanted to be in a civil war, right? And it, when all that happened, no, nobody wanted that. It was extremely unpopular. But... You still had a major like you. You had the South that was um, that was the the oppressing was the oppressing side in this case. Essentially, the Democrats tried to leave. That's the funny thing in all this. Like that's the party that tried to leave. They're the ones that caused all this nonsense. And so, what are we having again? What do you see, Bruce? The Democrats again. They're trying to leave the system. You see this? They're trying to break away from the system. Same thing. Yeah. History is repeating itself. It's repeating itself, although in an abstract form, it's repeating itself. In this sense, they're removing the history behind what's happened from their standpoint. And so next, right, it's just, see, it's just a small thing, right? It's, it's always one small thing first, right? Just something they can go in there, something you're really not going to care about. Do you know what this all started with? Do, do you remember how all this started? This started with a flag. Do you remember that? The Georgia flag. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. That's how all this started. And now all of a sudden, here we are. We're at statues. Right now we're talking about, oh, first it was stat. Excuse me. I, I missed a step here. First it was a flag. Then it became about holidays. Do you remember the holidays? We can't have Columbus Day anymore. Now it's uh, Indigenous mm -hmm. People's Day. Well, what does that even mean? And then, uh, excuse me. And then now it's, well, we got to take these statues down because of you know, uh, historical acts of oppression based on what politicians tell you that their version of it is. Those that do not know history are doomed to repeat it. You're condemned to repeat it. And this is precisely what's going to happen. You remove that history and then you repeat it over and over and over again because you have no history to compare yourself to. History is so important. Using it as a guide, 
By looking to the past, you can predict the future in a manner of speaking. You know, I once heard somebody say that the only difference between those of us that know history and those that don't is we know what's going to happen next. That's the only difference. And that's true to a, to a great extent, because you see where these people are going. Right? I, I see what and I can tell you what their next move is going to be. You're not going to like it. but I can tell you what their next move is going to be. Uh, but no, this is this is what they're doing now. Uh, they're going to go for this. And mark my words, when they get this, they're going to go for D.C. after that. Right. It'll be the American flag. That'll be the offensive thing. It'll be the Washington Monument. It'll be the Jefferson Memorial. It'll be the Lincoln Memorial. All of it. Understand, they will not stop until it's all gone. Look what they're doing to the uh, the grave sites of these uh, the, these World War Two veterans. You see this? Have you seen this? Yeah, I've seen stuff about that. Taking yeah. sledgehammers to them. Uh huh. Yeah, they will not stop. You cannot make a deal with this. These people are not in the business of making deals. What are your thoughts on uh, on this? There, there's going to be a protest, by the way. There, there's going to be a protest uh, in the midst of all this. And it's not going to be something that's, that I don't think it's going to go over well. But I know what he's trying to do. I, I know what, uh, what Northam here is trying to do. He's trying to start, he's trying to start a civil war. That's what he's trying to do. So uh, this is why he wasn't removed uh, a couple of years back in the, in the midst of all that. So that he, he's been put here as the point, man. So now he's going to be put in here to push. He's going to try this, and that's where it's going to go. Do you do you know Do you know the Civil War? When we went through the Civil War, do you know where it started? It started in Virginia. This is a really interesting fact about all this. And so, is the next one going to start there? Is that how it's going to be? Is, is that is that what he's pushing? What are your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, I think they do try. They, they are trying to push for a uh, a civil war. You know, I, I've heard theories on this one. Uh, as far as uh, a civil war is concerned. But before I do that real quick, I want to point out something. They're, they're saying the civil war was about um, the slavery, right? And now we have a, a push to try to go Marxist. When you look at what Marxism is, it's slavery. You're a slave to the state. So they just traded off full-blown actual slavery for a masked slavery. And now they're saying it's about economic class. You know, it's class warfare now it's still racism. It's still slavery. I mean, it's just a different a different title now. They're, they're trying to change all this. But as far as the Civil War is concerned, I've also heard proposals of theories, if you will, uh, that it's possible the police officer that had his knee in Floyd's neck um, will walk uh, because they're putting charges on him that they cannot prove or are going to have a real strong difficulty of proving. Though a lot of the population is like, yeah, let's let's go for first degree murder. Clearly the guy planned it out. Well, okay, if they hold, can't hold, prove hold, that in this, court. This is important. Okay, I didn't know this. That is that's huge. If they do that and there's a and there's a mistrial or there's an acquittal, oh uh-huh. boy. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So right. I, I don't know what the intentions are uh, of this uh, prosecutor. I don't know what kind of. Um, so we're, we're going for second degree right now. Right. That's that's been added to the list, along with third degree okay. and um, manslaughter. So third degree and manslaughter. I mean, that that's open and shut. Like he's going to prison for those second second degree. Uh, maybe we could prove that. Don't know. I mean, we don't uh, unless there's some evidence that shows he intentionally killed him, you know, like that was his goal in this uh, Then second degree. But if they're going to try to go for first degree, I don't know that they can prove that that's going to be really difficult. And it's going to it's going to cause the trial to uh, 
it, it, it'll take a lot longer. They'll have to do a lot more investigations. And yeah, this that'll just trigger more riots and possibly, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into this a, a, a little bit with um, with the Antifa stuff. But one of the things that Antifa is told not to do, right, at least at this point, is when you're attacking a police officer, do not go for their weapon, obviously, because that'll get you shot, right? And that's not what they want right now. Isn't that interesting that when you see them scuffling, they never go for the, the weapon of the police officer, unless it's a situation of they're actually trying to rob a place or something and not involved with Antifa. I, I thought that was an interesting thing to see, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That, that's something to keep an eye on and watch that uh, when you start seeing them going for the weapon, that means they're... And the, they, they think they're in the, the final stages of the final stages, right? They're looking to create a civil war at that point and, and turning into turn it into a shooting war. So your thoughts on the uh, the statue removal, talking about the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the possible card they could play, the, the police officer up there in the midst of when you're making reference to what I said about pushing for a civil war. What are your thoughts about the statue mm-hmm. removal? You know, I don't care if it was the most racist of racists out there. The, the thing is, is. You look at our history, we abolished slavery. These are... One of the first, know, it's our history. by the way, just just a side yeah, note. Yeah. One of the first co- countries to take the lead. The British were actually the ones that took the lead on it. And we were a close second. So, I mean, that's that's a fact. That is a fact. That that's not That's not some conspiracy theory. That's a fact. If you look at slavery in a lot of other European countries and in other parts of the... Which other parts of the world is still going on. So they don't say anything about that. Well, if you want to look at it as first, who's first or not... Technically, when you really look at it, America was founded and within 10 years, we abolished slavery. I mean, when you look at the lifespan of our country, (laughs) you know, we we kind of uh, we kind of won there if you want to look at lifespan. But Mm -hmm. uh, my my point is with, with the with the statues, this is a monument. This is a reminder. This is where we came from. This is our history. Look at us now. Look at where we came from. And it's a reminder that we don't want to go back to whatever it was, you know, the the racist or the civil war or, you know, we don't want to have another civil war because look at what it cost us. Or, I mean, it's a monument of though this person was wrong, look at the character that they had or look at the, you know, the the skill that they showed or something. Right. There was a time when we could look at someone and be like, you know, that was, uh, you know, they did really good at this, but, you know, they were just really racist, right? Or, or something of that matter. You can look at both sides of the coin. It's not one or the other, right? <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's just because of the snowflake mentality we have now, you cannot say someone did a good job at something if they're a racist or if they're, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I don't want to see our history erased because then they can push their own narrative and say, we've always been a racist nation and we've never gotten away from, you know, slavery or racism or whatever. And clearly our, our history shows that we have. Well, the fact is, is they're pushing that narrative now and we have gotten away from that. Yes. The fact is, is history remains in place precisely because of what you say. So we can remember it. And so we can understand it. Hey, we screwed up here. This is precisely why we have the amendment process in the Constitution. For those that don't know, it's there so we can change things, but we're not allowed to remove it once we put something in it. If we make an amendment, by the way, like prohibition, prohibition is still in there. Why is it in there? So we can look back and say, okay, we tried this. Here it is right here. It's documented fact. We tried this. It didn't work. So what's going to be different about it now? Same thing here. It's history. We have to have it. 
It's got to be there. Which, by the way, under Marxism, th- that's where this this whole thing's a Marxist movement. The thing about Marxism, what's the one key point that Marx is is so keen on when he's describing his dialectic of Marxism? All history ends. That's very important. So then that system can then dictate things going forward. In other words, you've already made the mistakes of all this in the past. We don't need that anymore. We've got a socialist utopia going forward. Excuse me, a communist utopia going forward. Socialism is the interim process. But we've got a communist utopia going forward. There is no history because all that's in the past. We've forgotten all that. So we don't we don't look at that anymore. So we will dictate things moving from day to day from here on here on out. Right. That that's the theory of Marx. Lunacy. Absolute lunacy. So anybody that's not read Marx, you know, I I wouldn't expect them to understand that. But he was clear on that. He he was he was extremely clear on on the the end of the end of history. And so this is another step in what they're doing. They have to remove all of it. Do you understand all of it? And I was (laughs) and I mean all of it. I'm I'm talking. Would you believe that these Antifa thugs? Do you know what they're doing now? They're advocating to have Legos changed. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm serious. I read that this morning. Let, give me just a second. Let me pull that yeah. up. Yeah, I've seen some of that. Um, I believe they're removing or quietly removing sets that have police officers, firefighters, EMT. That was it. You know, yes. Yeah. The city the city sets, yeah. right? The city Lego sets. Yeah. They yeah. think that there's too many police officers in there. So they're having to remove all that stuff. See, I mean, like I said, they will not stop until Everything is removed. Why, why do you think we've seen the change of things that are traditional in America over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years? Why do you think we're seeing the change? Things like sports, right? I know that we got a lot of sports listeners, right? People that listen, uh, watch sports and things like that. Why do you think so many things have changed? Why do you think football's being changed? Why do you think baseball's being changed? Why do you think hockey's changed so much? Because they have to destroy everything, all of it, so they can turn around and rebuild it in their image. That's the purpose of all of it. That's the point. So, with that being said, let's get into Antifa, shall we? Uh, I, uh, let me let me add one more thing about yes, the Legos please, go first. Ahead. Go ahead. So, I'm I'm a bit of a Lego collector myself, and would you be surprised to learn that the black Legos, right, the little fig, the the figurine people figurines, right? The only black ones that are in existence are basketball, the NBA ones. I actually didn't know that. I quit messing with Legos uh, quite some time ago. But I mean, they're, they're still interesting. Don't get me wrong. They're still interesting because they've I mean, they've done a lot of stuff. I was back in the day where I had like the pillowcase full of pieces, you know, and, and I had like the uh, the big gray board and you just built whatever. Right. I mean, that was me. They didn't really have anything in the way of like too many sets back then. I mean, I think I had like an airplane and uh, and a couple of cars or something. And then that was really about it. But now it's just they got all kinds of stuff, right? They've got like these real fancy things and they've got stuff that mimics like was it like Star Wars Legos real big, like all that mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it's just, yeah, th- there's all kinds of those sets. And man, those things are expensive. They are expensive. I, I remember going yeah. to a store once and I was like, $100 for this? Mm-hmm. You know, for a box of Legos? Are you kidding me? But yeah, I didn't know you were a Lego collector. That's interesting. Uh, so Yeah, I have I have a couple. I have a couple Legos. Yeah. A couple. That means you probably got an, a room dedicated uh, to shrines of, of things you've built in there, yes? I think I have you've in the built, vicinity Or you've of built like, the room of Legos. Is that safer to say? Uh, I probably could build a room with the Legos that I possess, <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm one of those that... I do have a Star Destroyer and Death Star and whatnot uh, Lego set on top of okay. years of other Legos I've collected. I, I've collected them since I was a kid, so I have tubs full of Legos. Okay. Tubs as in like the, the Rubbermaid, you know, containers. Yeah. 
All right. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I used to talk about hobbies. You know, I, I used to build um, I used to build models. I don't do it anymore, but I used to I used to build. And you know something? Oddly enough, th- this is the crazy thing about it. And it's, it's funny how just conversation works like this. The very first model ship that I built with my grandfather, the very first one that I built was an old steamboat with the name it was an actual steamboat with the name Robert E. Lee. <laughs> so that's a, that's funny. You racist. Yeah. The, what, the idea was, okay, it was an older model. It was an old model that my grandfather had started when he was a kid, and he was going to put it in the window of his uh, of my great-grandfather, of his father's restaurant that he had, that he started when he came to America. He was going to build it, and he was going to put it up there for customers to see when they walked by. So, I mean, that, that was the point, but he never finished it. And so, uh, he and I finished it, and uh, cool. I still... Yeah, I still have that model uh, to this day, and it's um, that's that's really important to me. So it's, I mean, it might not mean anything to uh, to anybody else, but you know, to to me, that's that's really special. But anyway, moving right along, let's get into Antifa. Should, should we just get right right into the interview here, and then go from there? We'll just talk about it as it go as it comes along. Sure. sure. Okay. So, um, do you want to preface this? How, I mean, you watched the whole video. I haven't seen all this yet. So, do you want to preface what this is going to show? What, how how this is going to start? Uh, basically, um, Project Veritas had one of their journalists, I guess you want to call them, join Antifa. And the, this is their recount of it. They're not in Antifa anymore. Obviously, they've quote unquote retired, but they, they have the identity and everything masked out on this guy. And you, you can't tell if he's black or white or any of that. You can't tell his race or, or anything. And his voice is slightly muffled because he has a mask on. So that's kind of the start of this. Okay. So we're going to, this is about four minutes in total. This is the Antifa infiltrator. I've been undercover with Real City Antifa since July of 2000. Depending on the setting, if I were to be caught or found out in a setting where I am present with them, it could escalate to violence against me. Don't be that guy with the goddamn spiked brass knuckles getting photos taken on you. Police are going to be like, perfect, we can prosecute these so currently I am a prospect for Rose City Antifa and I am about halfway through the prospecting process to become a full-fledged member of Antifa. If you ruin their day, if you like heckle them, you make them feel like they look ridiculous, you make them feel outnumbered, and therefore their whole yay yay America Trump thing is going to go by the wayside. Uh, They reached out to me through Proton Mail, and we went back and forth, and there was an, an interview set to meet up in Portland. So to verify that it was me, they had me wear a white shirt and have a water bottle and show up at a Starbucks where a person was going to ID me and approach me and asked who I was and I told them and I followed them to the destination where the interview was going to be held. There uh, we went to a place called Imperial. They were getting this trade craft from someone else, someone with much more experience, someone who did this for a living. Caroline, which is the founder of RCA, moved to Sweden with her husband, who is a dual citizen. So there, there's a back and forth with a European connection. Rose City Antifa holds required lectures for prospecting members in secret at, in other words, bookstore uh, before they open. 
And as part of their security culture, they require us to put our phones in the bathroom next door. Uh, This bathroom is not only away from the main room where the lecture is taking place, but also has a fan that muffles any sound from the room. The whole goal of this, right, is to get out there and do dangerous things as safely as possible. How violent is Antifa or RCA in particular? Practice things like an eye gouge. It takes very little uh, pressure to injure someone's eyes. They do not hesitate to either push back or incite some kind of violence. In our classes and in our meetings, before we do uh, any sort of demonstration or black block, you know, we talk about weapons detail and what we carry and what we should have. What is black block? Well, this is black block right now. The term is used to uh, a tactic in which individuals conceal their identity to look uniform so, so that no one can be identified in an act of a crime. With RCA, it seems much more structured, almost like a company or like a business. So, you know, I feel like there is some type of outside funding influence or resources being used. Consider like destroying your enemy, not like delivering a really awesome right hand, right eye, left eye blow, you know? Um, It's not boxing, it's not kickboxing, it's like destroying your enemy. I do apologize. That was uh, that was a little bit long. However, I think there's a lot to take in there. I'd like to credit Veritas for the great work they did putting somebody undercover. Do you have any idea how dangerous that is? What that guy did? That's if if that guy would have been found out with these thugs, I'd venture to say you'd probably not see that guy again. That that's my take on it. But yeah. the great people over at Project Veritas, uh, James O'Keefe and those people, they do fantastic work. Uh, they're, they're great people, uh, and they've done some really really amazing stuff uh, from time to time. If you do get a chance. I know I said this yesterday. If you do get a chance, head over to projectveritas.com and give them a check because that's quite something. They're also available on YouTube, but I would say, as you were putting it earlier, Bruce, they probably uh, they're, they're probably demonetized. But anyway, let's start with the European connection. Do you know Antifa was actually? It's funny that this is a this is a group that was formed in the early 1930s as a militant wing of the Communist Party, the Communist movement out of Germany. And it's just been kind of like that doctrine and that mantra has been carried ever since. I mean, that's that's kind of where the Antifa movement started. I'm talking about like it wasn't called that, obviously, but it was uh, it, like the militant wing of the of the Communist Party was was brought on around that time for the West. You had it in Russia with the Bolshevik movement uh, and in aids with uh, groups like the Mensheviks in the Soviet Union, what would later become the Soviet Union. But you didn't really have a birth of it in the West until you had established communist parties about 20 years down the road from the 1920, or excuse me, about uh, 15, 20 years down the road from the emerged out of the Bolshevik revolution in Russia. So they would send out people in other parts of Europe at the time to train. Same thing with the United States. They would send uh, agents and undercover people out to infiltrate certain areas, work with foreign party operatives, things like that, to essentially establish these groups and get into the um, the militant wing of these uh, these agitators. And so the biggest movement you had at the time, the biggest opportunity that the anarcho-communist movement could see at the time was in Germany. So you had the birth of the Western Antifa movement at that time is where it emerged in Germany because you had the struggle between groups like the the Nazis, which was, I mean, that was a left-wing movement for those that don't know. Anybody that thinks that's on the right is crazy. That was a left-wing movement. It started as a left-wing movement. The Nazi party in Germany, history lesson for those that don't know, started as the German Workers' Party. 
right? They knew that they couldn't gain any popularity because they were they were busy fighting with communists all day long and, and unions. So what what did they do? They knew that they had to do something that was different that would get people on board with it. So they changed the name of their party to the National Socialist German Workers Party. If you actually translate the Nazi party from German into English, that's what it translates into, the National Socialist German Workers Party. So Moving right along. The European connection, it's been there. It's been there. This is not anything new. I mean, the guy pointed out, he says there's a European connection between the founder of RCA, Rose City Antifa, going back to Sweden, where she had her husband who was a dual citizen, so she would travel back and forth. And so, of course, there's a European connection. There's always been a European connection. So there's more to it. I mean, I was just kind of giving the backstory of it. There's always been more to it. But nonetheless, and then, of course, you had Marxism, which maybe everybody knows where that emerged from, emerged from Germany because Marx was German. But you had the references there to the European connection, right? Very important point for this guy to make. He talked about how he had to be identified, uh, how he had to be taken in. He, He applied. They were communicating through encrypted email back and forth. And then finally, they set up a meeting point. He had to wear something certain where they had to identify him. And then he was taken off to the location where they would then meet and interviewed. That is how organized crime works. Okay, that's that's how that stuff works. When you have people out there doing illicit, illicit actions like that behind the scenes, no good's going to come of that. Right. No good's going to come of that. The way that these people are structured. Right. He talked about the structure of these things and the funding. They've structured themselves, as he said, like a corporation or like a business. They've structured themselves to be operating as organized crime groups, racketeering groups. Same thing. Right. This is all the same, although the funding side of it is the structure that keeps it insulated. So you've got outside funding groups, you've got sympathizers, you've got dupes, you've got people that carry the agendas for them, people that operate as open members, people that operate as concealed members. These are all valuable points to take in on how these groups operate. Same thing in Marxism, although this is the militant wing of it, right? These are the Bolsheviks of our time. These are the fascists of our time. I heard it once described as the new left is the new right. What would you think of that statement, Bruce? The new left is the new right. Would you say that that would be accurate in this case? No, because I view Marxism as left. Well, it is left. (laughs) But my point is, is that when I say the new left is the new right, the tactics that they use, right? We're going to get into the tactics here in a minute. The tactics that they use are classic, historically speaking, right, right? Extreme right, because of the, obviously because of the Nazi movement. But like I said, the Nazi movement wasn't on the right, it was on the left. Why is the Nazi movement, the fascist movement in Germany, why is that put on the right? And let me explain why it's put on the right. It's put on the right because that's where the Soviets put it. And you say, well, how is that even possible? In 1929, you had Joseph Stalin, who was vying for power with Leon Trotsky in the Soviet Union. It was a nasty, dirty political game, right? Back and forth, one side accusing the other side of the other, right? It's different flavors of socialism. Same end game, different means to get there. So you had different forms of it. And so you had Stalin, you had Trotsky vying for each other. What did Stalin do? in the open conventions to try and denounce what Trotsky would represent. Called him a social fascist. Trotsky wasn't a fascist. He was a Marxist. But what did he do? He created... This is why if you go back in the English papers, if you go back and you see the publications during the Second World War, you didn't see anything about left versus right. You didn't see anything about that. When you had Hitler who went back on the peace treaty that he made with Stalin... You didn't have left versus right. You didn't have any of that stuff. What you had was socialism fighting socialism. Same type of ideology 
two different ways to get there. Two sides of the same coin. Fascists are the blood enemies of Marxists. Why? Because it's the same end game, but just two different ways to get there. It's interpretation. It comes down to interpretation. Everyone interprets Marxism and socialism differently. I once heard someone describe socialism as how many different forms of socialism are there? Well, in order for you to understand that, you're going to have to figure out how many socialists there are in the world. Once you do that, then you'll understand how many different forms of socialism there are. So this is I know this is really confusing and this is really, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's all over the map. It sounds it sounds crazy. But and I know we're supposed to be talking about Antifa here, but you have to understand the backstory and the history behind this movement over the last hundred years. You have to understand the origins of it to understand where we are now. And you have to understand that to understand where we're going to go next and where they're going to go next. It's extremely important because now is the most critical time to understand this. Tactics. The guy talked about tactics, the way that they organize, the way that they go into these these groups and telling people how to gouge eyes out and destroy your enemy. Right. Th this types of thing. Right. This is militant behavior. They're being trained behind the scenes militarily. Bruce, you and I watched a video last night of a car burning out in the middle of, uh, mm -hmm. of an intersection. And it was a six minute clip. Right. And the guy did a great job. Of, obviously, we can't we can't play it here. But uh, the guy did a great job on breaking it down. I mean, he, he stopped it. He paused it. He, he outlined, you know, who the, who the key players were. You had, what was it, six people? You had six Antifa people, I think, that, that were in there. And they worked in unison, but they looked like they weren't working together through any of it. They just happened to go in. Everyone had a role. Everyone had a mark to hit. Everyone had a cue to do what they needed to do. And as soon as they started, right, they go in, they burn a cop car, right? They smash it up. They, they uh, paint all over it. And then... They all have their own times to go in and, and do their thing. They all have their own assignments. And so it's like a well-choreographed machine. After they do everything, right, after they, they smash the windows out, they douse it, and they disappear back off into the crowd, and then come back and back and forth, and they all have different things. And, and at the time that they set the fire off in the car, what happens? They all disappear off into the crowd in their own different directions. It's like a well-oiled machine. And all this happened, right? It was a six-minute video, but from start to finish, if you watch it in its entirety, happened in less than 60 seconds. You're telling me these people aren't trained? You're telling me these people aren't funded? The man said they were funded. Look at the tactics training mm -hmm. they get. You heard it. The funding. Where's this money coming from? <laughs> well, really? First name's George, and it wasn't Floyd, okay? I mean, if you, if you really want to know, they, this, this stuff has his fingerprints all over it. Soros. So, and not to mention that kid of his, Alexander. The uh, the black block, right? He talked about the uh, the black block. What is that? How they're all masked up? How they're all uh, wearing their their black out there, and they're all um, you know uh, looking uniformed and looking uh, similar, and so they can do their deeds and then go off into the you know scurry off into the uh, the crowd or whatever it is. Now I find this really really coincidental, and I'm going to make a reference here. Now this this is my opinion. Okay, this is my opinion. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is my opinion. You had the coronavirus pandemic, right? You had these people coming out demanding that we wear masks. Why is that? Masks, we've been, we were told in the beginning, well, that doesn't help. Well, then we were told, well, we're going to be put in jail if we don't wear them. And then, well, they work, but then they don't work. And then, well, they might work. But see, now this is a cue for everyone to have them. You see this? You see how this is working? This is my mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. Everyone has this, right? So everyone has to wear these masks now. But see, now that everyone has to wear these masks or some type of face covering, see, then everyone becomes even less identifiable. So it's just my opinion. 
right? Like I said, this is just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not trying to connect dots here. I'm just pointing out the obvious. You had people in these states where these big riots and lootings are going on, where Antifa's out smashing storefronts and, and burning cop cars and ransacking businesses. And it's happening in cities where the mayors and the governors refuse to open and they're requiring all their citizens to wear masks because they're collaborators with groups like this. Just my opinion. It's awful convenient, you know, to require masks, you know, it seems seems pretty uh-huh. convenient. There's more to the training uh, that they don't go over in that video. They're also taught in some forms of martial arts. Um, uh, you know, so when these get violent and everything, they, they're, you know, they have a means of attacking people other than just gouging eyes. But, uh, that that's in another article, uh, released by project Veritas. They have some footage of that as well. That's actually on their website. It's an organized terrorist group. I mean, they're classified as terrorists now, right? And we should be going after them. We should be going after all their funding, everything. Like how could, how are we allowing this kind of a, a group that is funded by you know, other, other countries or other organizations. I mean, Soros, the, the money doesn't necessarily come from the U S it comes from other organizations that are nonprofits that, you know, shell companies, if you will. And I don't know. I I just, you know, we talked this morning about the drawdown of troops in Germany. Uh I think you should put the military on this, put military intelligence on these people, because if they're getting trained, if they're getting funded, and they're international, and they're considered obviously a domestic terrorist group within the United States. Why wouldn't we? T- why wouldn't we put them on it? Well, I mean, honestly, some of the footage that's coming out uh, from Project Veritas could easily be used to help identify some of these people because uh, some of the footage you see that in the videos and whatnot, you can clearly see who's some of the organizers, the the teachers, right. and whatnot. Right. So, yeah. Well, the whole the fact is, right. It, regardless, right. It, military intelligence or or whatever. I think the whole might of the Justice Department has to come down on these groups, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got to. I, I absolutely. So the question is: is why are they waiting? I mean, I saw last night. I was reading an article, I think it was out of Breitbart. They said that they've made 51 arrests in the midst of all this of of Antifa members. 51. That's it. 51 arrests. I mean, we watch more Antifa thugs and videos in a day with police there. I guess my issue is this. I see this stuff and I understand how how you want to do things as it relates to um, as it relates to organized crime groups. I understand that because I've worked those cases before and you want to build the case. Right. That's the point of it. You want to build the case. You want to establish your foundation of that case so that when you go for the prosecution, it's a slam dunk. Right. It, it's a slam dunk. So that, that's what you want. But the thing is, is that I hate to say this, but we don't have time. We don't have time to be playing this nonsense because they're just going to get worse. The longer that the U.S. Justice Department allows this to continue, the worse it's going to get. This is a festering problem that we haven't even addressed up until this point. And to be quite fair, Foreign governments, which these I mean, you're seeing them down in Australia now, down in Melbourne, uh, and you've got political groups here in Germany calling for their government to declare them an international terrorist organization, at least here, because they're all over the place. And this is what I said. This is a choreographed machine run by guys like Soros. He's not the only one. He's not the only one. But if you look into the funding, if you look into the affiliate groups, you look into how they're structured. One thing that I learned about uh, about organized crime is 
when you go after certain things, let's say you're working a drug case, right? Let's, let's say you're working a drug ring. If you go after a drug ring, or if you go after, say, I don't know, you know, merchandise theft or whatever, but in the case, let's let's just stick with drugs in this case. If you go after a drug case, right, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? You're going to get drug users and you're going to get drug dealers, right? That's what you're going to get. If you work a drug case, that's what you're going to get. But if you start following money, you don't know where in the world you're going to end up. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. And the thing is, is and we can touch on this. We can kind of end on this because this is a this is a good point to make. I'm not so sure that I have the full faith and credibility in these people that are in these positions to make this stuff happen. And I'll explain why. You pointed out something earlier of these Republicans that are now uh, turning on Trump because of all this stuff that's mm -hmm. going on in the U.S. And so if you've got people that are in positions of authority and positions of justice and they don't enforce justice, well, then what good are they? What good are they? Mm -hmm. I scream all the time here about how I just want freedom, liberty and justice, liberty and justice for all. Right. Isn't that what our uh, isn't that what our thing says? You know, the thing. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know the thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Liberty and justice for all. OK, where's the justice? Where's the justice on these people? Why are these people not being gone after? What? Why? What the hell are we waiting for? We don't have the luxury of time any longer. They're moving now and they're going to get faster. They're going to get more bold. You need to see criminal prosecutions. You need to see arrests, mass arrests uh, of these 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 pieces of trash. But anyway, with all these people that are in these positions, if they're turning on Trump, if Trump is even saying, hey, well, you know, we need to look into this. I mean, Trump is the one that came out and said, we're going to declare Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. Well, if they're turning on Trump, does that mean they're turning on that idea too? I don't know. I mean, there are some politicians that are bashing him for, you know, talking about the Antifa thing uh, or, or, you know, making them a, a terrorist organization. But I don't even think they really know how bad or how deep this all goes, referencing Antifa. I don't, I don't know that they fully understand the depths thereof. And not only that, but let's say you do identify. See, here's the difference between like crime organizations and a, a terrorist organization. The terrorist organization is these guys with Antifa, their, their um, foundation, if you will, is an ideology. How willing are these people to stick to their ideology, I mean, are they willing to break under pressure is what I'm meaning. So if you interrogate someone, are they going to spill the, spill the beans and start identifying people? Or are they going to keep their mouth shut and be the one that falls? I mean, that I don't really know where that's going to go. So really identifying them, the organizations, you know, the depths of it, Maybe a lot more difficult than like a crime organization, but I, I don't know. The, the president, he's currently in kind of a catch-22, if you will, because he doesn't know who to trust. There's politicians that are unwilling to stand with him or, I mean, they're flip-floppy. They just, they want to get reelected. They're trying to go with whatever's popular in the moment. There's not going to be popular to bash him. There's not going to be a re-election for these people if they don't get with the program. Do they not understand that groups like Antifa are out there burning the country down? You're not going to have a job, you fools. That's how it is. They look to dominate everything. They're going to take over the entire country. They will storm the Capitol and they will drag you out into the streets. You think you'll be removed by a ballot box when you've got pieces of trash like that that are out there roaming the streets? I don't think people take 
I, I don't think they take this seriously. These politicians, I mean, they, they don't take this seriously. I don't think they understand the ideology that these self-proclaimed anarcho-communists have. The politicians themselves are disconnected from reality so much that they don't even understand history themselves. Yeah. I just laid out, I mean, I can go into further detail, but I'm not going to do that. But I laid out the entire spectrum of the ideology from a historical context behind the Antifa movement, how it started, where it started, and what they behave like. Anybody can go back and look at those points that I referenced, right? The Bolshevik Revolution, the Marxist movement in Germany, the Nazi movement in Germany, these extremist movements. Go read about these things if you have the time. It's important to understand because we're seeing the same thing again, only we're seeing it more extreme this time. We're seeing it more extreme this time. Who are these people? Who are these people? These are the people that were brought up in the universities, in American academia, they were promised in the universities that they were going to be the new rulers in this new system that they were going to help bring in, this utopia, as they call it. They're going to be the ones stomping on capitalists. They're going to be the ones stomping on rich people. They're going to be the ones running the uh, their new form of gulags, whatever they are. They've been promised that future. And now they don't have it. So they're just going to go take it. That's where those people are at. And these these idiots in these positions of power keep placating to this this idea oh well we, we need to focus on getting elected and and what's what's right in the in the mainstream media what did i say yesterday these people are not the future they're the past those organizations like the mainstream media do you still think that those things matter are they that naive to think that those things matter you think you're going to go out there and get your teeth kicked in on cnn so you're not going to say something or you're going to go out and you're going to say something and it doesn't go with the agenda. And so you're going to get vilified because that's where we're at right now. And if you think it's just something as simple as being vilified in something and, and having your credibility destroyed in the media or whatever, I got news for you, Jack. These people are not playing games. This is the militant wing of the anarcho-communist movement, and they are coming for you. They're coming for me and they're coming for anybody else that has an independent thought. So get off your asses and take action to shut these people down by the letter of the law. That's what has to be done. That's all I have. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.